Pastor Xavier Ruiz, illustrating the early hints of an eternal plan of redemption. But everything in the tabernacle was a prophetic of Christ. The gold represented deity. The brass represented judgment. And it would be God who would receive the judgment for the sins of man, who would redeem mankind. And the acacia wood spoke of its humanity, that God would become man. And so every sacrifice spoke of Jesus, everything. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The history and ministry of the Old Testament saints are important, but were never meant to be the main focus of the Bible. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study series from the book of Hebrews, he opens up the door to the true spiritual tabernacle, a place where all could come to bow down at the throne of the true High Priest and Savior. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths and a message titled, The Superior Ministry of Jesus. In chapter 8, the author Paul now declares the superior service of the high priesthood of Jesus over the Old Testament service. He's dealt with the Levitical priesthood. He's dealing now with the service, the nature of the service. And he gives two reasons. He divides it just a small chapter, short. Uh, verse 1 through 6 the first reason is that Jesus officiates as high priesthood in heaven. And then from 7 to 13, Jesus officiates as high priesthood on the basis of the new covenant. And those are the two reasons that he really nails everything down. He kind of brings things together. And so what we want to do is focus on the superior service of Jesus as he officiates as high priesthood based on three facts, verse 1 through 6. Let me read them for us. Now, this is the main point of the things we have saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer up both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises." The superior service of Jesus as he officiates his priesthood is based on three facts. Verse 1 and 2, the service of Jesus is in a better place. Verse 3 and 4, the service of Jesus is by a better sacrifice. In verse 5 and 6, the service of Jesus is under a better covenant. Three good reasons. And he just nails these Hebrews. You are limited to one person alone for your redemption. Jesus Christ, the high priest of God who is in the heavens. The Old Testament priests offered sacrifices as coverings. I don't know if you understand that for sin. The word atonement in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, is the word kofar. We get our word cover from it. In other words, every sacrifice, every blood of animal was a covering as a IOU, it was a promissory note of the payment in the future. And when Jesus came, he paid 
all that was under the note. He made the payment of all the IOUs of the past. They were types. They were not the actual payment. The priest had to be replaced by succeeding priests being mortal. Jesus lives forever as a high priest in heaven. Do you see the great contrast? And so Jesus represented the high priest that would enter heaven, not the earthly tabernacle. According to the perfect sacrifice, according to the final sacrifice, this is the most important distinction between the two. That's why it's better. And so Jesus is the holiness of the Lord in heaven. And because he is, he will deal with us as children and he will chasten us that we be holy. Listen to Hebrews 12.10. For they indeed for a few days, speaking about our parents, chastened us as seemeth best to them. But he, Jesus, for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. God deals with us. God convicts us. God reproves us. God rebukes us. God takes us to the woodshed. Because he loves us. You show me a parent that doesn't discipline his child, I'll show you a parent that doesn't love his child. He misunderstands love. The majority of our society today does not understand parental love. They want to be friends with their children. They want to be on an equal level. That's unnatural. Now I thank God that I have my children who are two of my best friends. But the relationship between father and son and father and daughter is never clouded, is never tossed out. In fact, the way that friendship is the strongest is in view of the first foundation of parental love. And now that they're older, they say things much clearer. And now that my daughter's a mommy, she understands it much, much clearer. <laughs> huh. And she appreciates a lot more. Jesus, the Holy Redeemer, is worthy to claim the earth, no one else. In fact, John in Revelation 5, 5 and 6, he says, uh, Do not weep, the elders said to him. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to open the scroll and loosen its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. He is worthy. He is worthy of loosening the seals on the scroll. As a lamb slain, he paid the price. Do you realize that Jesus will have a highway called holiness in the kingdom age? If you were with our study in Isaiah, Isaiah 35, 8, it says, A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called a highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. A road that says holiness, the highway of holiness. <laughs> Jesus is all we need for our salvation. That's why Paul the Apostle tells Colossians that him you're complete. 
In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the sum total of deity. To add nothing to Jesus and the work of Jesus. It is finished in him. And so the service of Jesus is by a better sacrifice. This is an important distinction. Because as men, we tend to want to always make up and do more. You can't do nothing for it. It's been done by him. Notice third and last, verse 5 and 6. The service of Jesus is under a better covenant. And from this, he's going to jump into the rest of chapter 8 and 9 and 10 and really focus on that covenant. Notice first in verse 5, the entire first covenant of the law served as a copy and shadow of heavenly things. Moses was sternly instructed to follow the, every detail in the construction of the tabernacle. He's quoting here uh, Exodus 25:40. The word copy suggests an outline or an example for imitation, and it appears three times in Hebrews, only six times in the New Testament. In Hebrews 4:11, it was an example of the copy of unbelief in the wilderness, remember? In Hebrews 9:23, it's used for the pattern of things in heaven like it is here. The word shadow means an imperfect portrayal or representation of a thing. A shadowy outline and inferior. The shadow cannot exist independent of the object that casts the shadow. The farther the shadow is from the object, the more blurrier it is. The closer the shadow gets to the object, the more lined up it gets and the more you can figure it out. Jesus was so far removed from their mind in the Old Testament, they couldn't see it. But when Jesus arrived, they should have been able to identify the genuine with the prophetic shadow. But they missed him. The entirety of the Old Testament was prophetic of Christ. This is the reason why Moses was admonished to follow the pattern Exactly. Now Moses blew the type of the rock, remember? He beat the rock twice, and it was a typology of Christ only being struck once for the sins of the world. He blew it, so he couldn't go into the promised land. But everything in the tabernacle was prophetic of Christ. The goal represented deity. God would be the Messiah. The silver or the brass represented judgment, and it would be God who would receive the judgment for the sins of man. The silver stood for redemption. It would be God who would become man, who would be judged for the sins of the world, who would redeem mankind. And the acacia wood spoke of his humanity, that God would become man at one point in time. And so everything, every, every sacrifice spoke of Jesus. Everything. All the furnishings, the, when you walked in to the left-hand side, you had, um, or the right-hand side, you had the showbread, the table of showbread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life in John 6.51, come down from heaven. To the left, you had the candelabra or the candle fan. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world in John 8.12. In the altar of incense before the veil, the incense would go up to the Lord, a sweet-smelling aroma. John says in Revelation 5.8 that these are the prayers of the saints, accepted through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The ark spoke of the throne of God. God abode there. That's where Jesus is. He's sitting. Revelation 19, 11, 19 uh, speaks of that ark. Have you ever thought about when you read in the book of Revelation that there's such a similarity between Revelation and the ark of the covenant? Next time you read it, I saw a door open. I saw a sea of glass. I saw a throne. 
And everything is there. The ark, the altar of incense. Because the ark, the tabernacle, was a shadow of things in heaven, a pattern. The two rooms were separated by the veil, as you know. The ministry on earth was separated from the ministry in heaven. It was being prepared by the type of the high priest. The veil was to be done away later on with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, as the book of Hebrews will tell us. And so when you look at the book of Revelation, you see the throne, the sea of glass, the altar of incense, the temple, the ark of the covenant. Everything was a testimony. In fact, later on in chapter 10, verse 1, he tells us that all these things were shadows and good things to come, not the very image. Colossians 2, 17, Paul speaks about that the Sabbath days, the new moons, the feast days, all of those things, they were only types and shadows to come. Jesus the fulfillment, so don't let nobody put you under bondage. When people want to drag you back into the Levitical law, and sometimes they're called Messianic Jews, and a lot of Gentiles like to go over to that, and they try to start speaking Hebrew terms, and, and they want to keep the Seder and this and that and, and all that. Listen, why do you want to go back to the shadow when you have the real person? It's, it's a boastful self-righteous exaltation. You're a Christian. You're not a Jewish Christian as a Gentile. <laughs> Notice secondly in verse 6. The second covenant is of superior service than the first covenant. The word but reveals a sharp contrast. Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. This is the pivotal verse. And once again, teaching from the lesser to the greater. Everything gets turned on this, but the service of expiation for sins is finished, not to be repeated ever again. In fact, the tense here is the perfect tense, affirming the attaining, the possessing, and the right to exercise this more excellent ministry. You see, the service is by the God-man, not after the order of the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law in Matthew 5, 17. See, Jesus didn't just say, okay, well, let's just put the law away. No, no, no. He fulfilled it. You and I cannot fulfill it. The law would just accuse us. The law judged us. Jesus fulfilled it. That's why he says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Beatitudes, not do attitudes. Now, we all understand we're saved by grace, but then after a while, we're not careful. We start getting into legalism. And we're, well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I would never think of doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm to allow the Spirit of God to transform me and to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. And I do the things that I do because Christ is living in me. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of God, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. Crucified life. God living through me. God doing what he wants, what he desires, as I yield from day to day. Notice he is the mediator of a better covenant, the arbitrator on behalf of man. And this appears for the first time now in the epistle, mediator. It appears later on in chapter 9, verse 15, and 12, 24. The mediator of the new covenant, there it says. He's the go-between. We have one mediator, Jesus Christ. The covenant is superior to the old order of the law. The principle, once again, is what? From the lesser to the greater. And there's the word, better. 
It means more useful, serviceable, or excellent. This is the keynote of the letter. Thirteen times. We've already seen. Better than the prophets, better than angels. Better than the first Adam, better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than the Levitical priesthood. Now he's a better minister in a better place in heaven. The new covenant is established on better promises. That's good. Better promises. The first covenant was based on the conditions of their obedience, Exodus 19.8. And it was sealed with the blood of animals. All that God has done and said, we will do. They didn't do it. And in fact, in Deuteronomy 27, 20, 29, he gives the blessings and the cursings. If you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I'll be your enemy. I will be your enemy. I will strike you. I will chase you. I will plague you. I will put you in captivity. You see, it cannot provide the ability to keep the law. The law could only judge you. The law could only point to your guilt. Because of sin nature. In verse 8 of chapter 8, he says, Because finding fault with them, not the law, the law is holy, just, and good. What's the problem? Me. I'm sinful. The law provokes me to sin. The sign says, wet paint, don't touch. I touch it. Just say no to your little one, two-year-old. It provokes them. The second covenant is based on the promise that God fulfilled the law and finished the work of redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word establish means to enact laws. It's in effect. What is the promise? At least just one of them that's better than the Old Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. God has given to you and to myself exceeding great and precious promises that by these and the divine nature we can escape the corruption of this world through lust. All things pertain to life and godliness. The gospel by the new birth, by the power of the Spirit of God enables me to live the life of Christ, to obey, to be transformed, to be conformed, to worship Him. Better promises. And so Jesus is the surety of guarantee of a better testament or covenant, having died for everyone, as Hebrews 7, 22 and 2, 9 tells us. This is why Paul was adamant at the Galatians, if you've read the Epistle of the Galatians, because they were trying to be snookered into the law by the Judaizers. And Paul says, what are you doing? Having begun in the spirit, are now you going to be made perfect in the flesh? Let me tell you something. Even if we or another angel preaches any other gospel to you, let him be anathema, the strongest word, damnation in the Greek. You only have one gospel. Don't let nobody distort it. And he goes on and he just gets down on them. The cup of the New Testament. This is my blood, shed for the remission of sins. This is my body broken for you, Luke twenty two twenty. So Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant and better promises being a better minister and a better ministry altogether. There are several covenants God made with man, as you know. He made one with Noah, that he would never destroy the world by a flood, so he gave him a rainbow in Genesis. And then he made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. 
that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. The Gentiles were included from the beginning, by the way. Study that text. There was a covenant of Moses in Exodus 24 with the blood. They said, we will do everything. But then there's also the covenant that comes at the end times, eschatological, which you'll get to later. But as he quotes Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Now that covenant is still future. Many people teach it in Hebrews that it's for now, these Hebrews. No, that's for the kingdom age. Jeremiah 31 will not be fulfilled till the kingdom age. For Israel today does not speak about the Lord. The Spirit's not in their heart. The law's not written in their heart and their minds. Individual Jews may come and they're part of the church, but that's still future. The confident hope of the believer is based on God's revelation of himself and what he has accomplished for us. Listen to Hebrews 6.19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth the presence behind the veil. Later on in Hebrews 10, 9 through 21, 19 through 21, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Have you ever read the song of the redeemed in Revelation 5, 19 to 13? You better learn it. They say, worthy is the lamb who has been slain. To receive power, riches, wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature in heaven and earth, and under the earth, such as are in sea, in the sea, and all are in them. I heard him say, blessing, and honor, and glory, power be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Revelations 5, 9 through 13. Learn it, you're going to sing it. <laughs> so these Hebrews needed to rest in the new covenant and not look back to the law. And so we... We must rest in what Jesus has done for us, confidently, boldly. Hebrews 11, 6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. Those that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is always related to God's revelation of himself, what he honors. And he finishes the epistle with this note. In Hebrews 13, 20, he says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. The message is one complete red thread through Hebrews. Jesus Christ. The service of Jesus is under a better covenant. This is the important understanding. And so these three facts substantiate the superior high priesthood of Jesus as he officiates it in heaven. The service of Jesus is in a better place, heaven. This is the important point. The service of Jesus is a, by a better sacrifice. This is the important distinction. And the service of Jesus is under a better covenant, the important thing to understand. And as he lays this out, now he's going to get into the specifics of the service of the Old Testament. Then you get into the practical aspect. What a privilege we have. The superior ministry of Jesus for us. Why would you want to look somewhere else? It'd be foolish. Pastor Xavier Reese 
hand a picture of the only one who can lead you to true salvation. And as always, you can pick up today's message, The Superior Ministry of Jesus, on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything we studied the last time we were together as well, in addition to portions our limited time on the air didn't allow us to include. Once again, the title to ask for is The Superior Ministry of Jesus, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Now, there's more from the depths of the book of Hebrews still to come. And that's when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com